Bop Heads. Here is part two of Welcome Back with the Bop Squad with even more bops that our hosts enjoy. Clinical. Bop. Clinical. Bop. Yeah. <laughs> Clinical. Population. Population. Clinical. Population. Population. Clinical. Population. Hello, everybody. My name is John. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. I'm Gabby. And I'm Grant. And welcome to Clinical Population. Introducing music therapists to new bops and new bops to music therapy. And the next song we have up is Daylight by Taylor Swift. Yeah, so I chose to share Daylight, um, which is off of Taylor's most recent album, Lover. Um, I'm a huge Swifty. I'm sure I've talked about it before on the podcast. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> life. Um, and now I did not just choose the song because it's by her. Um, but I guess a lot of my songs that I've chosen, I chose one for a supervision recently that was also by her. So oops. But anyway, um, so I chose this song because um, I, f- I, I like like you, Mike, I just kind of went with my first instinct. I didn't really want to sit and like stress about it and try to come up with like the the right answer, I guess. So I went with this one. Um, I feel like it's perfect personally and professionally. Um, this whole album is beautiful. Yeah, I, I picked this particular song. I love this album. Um, I thought it was very mature for... Um, like in comparison to all of her other albums, it um, is very different lyrically, thematically, musically. Um, a lot of the songs she did, um, she wrote them. Uh, she did the whole thing by herself, which is awesome. Um, and then, you know, Lover was all her all on her own kind of thing. And she was nominated for a Grammy for it. It's really awesome. Um, I picked Daylight because... Uh, I feel like it really fits and resonates with the past probably two, three years of my life. Um, It talks about the past and the present, um, reflecting on um, your faults and your damages and recognizing that you had those and um, that maybe you made some really... um, poor choices in relationships, um, recognizing that maybe you hurt other people, um, and being an adult about it and, um, reflecting on it and trying to move forward in those relationships, um, learning to change your habits, learning to trust other people healthily and having healthy relationships, um, both not just with other people, but, but with yourself. Um, and I feel like with some of the groups that I work with, we work, we talk about that a lot. So I felt it was very apropos to the population that I'm working with right now. 
um, but also for myself, just recognizing the um, the work that I've put into um, the relationship with myself, the relationship with my friends, relationships with my family. Um, and then obviously she's talking about a romantic relationship, which um, I, I kind of, so I definitely relate to it, but I think when I was reflecting on this song originally, I was thinking more about how I have tried to um, love myself more and try to release my personal baggage and things like that. Um, but definitely having that, you know, significant other has helped that process and has been golden like daylight and has really helped me um, deepen that inter- uh, interpersonal love. Um so I just think it's a, a beautifully written song and um, I really like the bridge because she pulls from lyrics and, and themes from her other albums. Um, so like, for instance, the line, I once believed um, love would be black and white, which kind of reflects on her reputation album. Um, mm. I once believed love would be burning red, which comes from her song Red. Um, and then she realizes, but it's golden, it's forgiveness, it's trust, it's, um, it's pure love. And I think that's beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, uh, it really resonates with me. And, and though I haven't used it with clients yet, I think it would be um, a, a really great, great way to open up a discussion about, you know, what helps you see daylight? Is it a person? Is it a thing? Um, you know, what are, what are things that you're letting go of, um, and, and talking about, cause at the end it talks about being defined by something. And I would really want to hear like what defines you. Yeah. Yeah. You've described it beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Because I really, you know, the way, the way you described it sat, um, so with how I, w- I was experiencing it as well. And again, hearing some of the, you know, when she says, I don't want to look at anything else now that I saw you, that there was, you know, after seeing the documentary and seeing her experience um, as a woman in the music business, that again, that you is her, you know, that new, that sense of um, her own growth and her own, um, you know, moving into her own, um, yeah, self-empowerment and, and owning who she, her power, uh, you know, the whole song just feels like uplift. The, the, the bass is just thumping in the background the whole time or the synth, the low synth bubbles and it keeps rising and rising. It's the most sunrise song I've, I've heard in a long time, you know, that, uh, the sense of self-emerging in a very beautiful way. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then right after the bridge, it does this, like, I called it, I put it in quotes in my notes, like the clearing after the buildup, which, yeah, I felt very much, uh, represented this beautiful sunrise and just like openness. Um, it's just very beautiful, um, lyrically and musically. You know, I definitely love the visual aspects of the song, like it just how descriptive they are lyrically. And like you said, like especially in the bridge where she kind of goes back to uh, referencing her past albums and stuff like that. I think that could be a really 
again, the clinical space, that could be a really great opportunity to like kind of the idea that I had with this was just like having people kind of come up with like what those different colors could mean for them in that space, like emotionally in those situations. Um, also to a second thing that came to my mind um, was that I think <laughs> daylight is such a jarring transition from what she lives as like a 20 year long night and like sleeping through that. Um, and I think too, um, when I process and like think about something that could be um, represented in terms of like a long dark period, like there's glimmers and something like that. So it may be cool to like rewrite this song as something as like, the moonlight as like the light that shows up in those dark spaces and like what that could be um being able to like kind of expand upon that aspect of mm -hmm. what else is there in terms of just like this rel like revelation and like this huge dynamic change but like kind of the small things that you notice um while in these um more heavy like dark spaces i guess yeah i really like the last part um that she kind of speaks I want to be defined by the things that I love, not the things I hate, not the things that I'm afraid of, the things that haunt me in the middle of the night. I just think that you are what you love um, and doing some sort of uh, exercise to, um, I mean, it may be like, you know, one of those um, activities where you, you draw, you know, a person and, and inside the person you write the things that you love and outside you write the things that, um, you hate or that you're afraid of and, um, you know, have a, a discussion about what defines you um, and what you're letting define you. One thing I was thinking, so when she says, I can only see daylight, um, I have been slowly, unfortunately, becoming obsessed with TikTok. <laughs> and, and so, unfortunately... Um, I don't know so, who you are anymore. <laughs> um, I don't post all the time. I just watch it. It just it's, it's so it numbs my brain because people do dumb stuff on there. Um, but one thing that's popular on it is people will post a day in the life, and they'll just post one second clips of what their day is like. Um, so, and then it becomes all comp compilation. Um, so I think it would be a cool activity to use this song, um, and use daylight as a prompt for what you do during your day. Hmm. Some sort of compilation video thing. And the next song we have is Bend and Not Break by Dashboard Confessional. Decisive and intentioned, precise and patterned, specifically yours. All right, dashboard. Yes. Okay. So I chose this song because this was one of my favorite songs back in high school. And I have not used it in session yet but I probably will after I hear everyone's ideas. Um, <laughs> um, so Dashboard is known for being emo and vulnerable and um, sharing these moments and emotions in really different ways. So there's very intimate and soft 
parts of their songs. And then there's parts where they're literally just screaming into the microphone. Um, and I've never been to a show, but I have, I almost did. Um, but I've seen a bunch of videos of the live performances and everyone there is also just screaming out the lyrics as loud as Chris Caraba is. And, um, the reason why I like this song in particular is because one, it resonates with me and two, it shows the broad range of his songwriting and also his musicianship. Um, and um, the song is super complex. Again, with like him singing really quietly and then screaming. So it's kind of like, just two like opposite ends um but also in the chorus in particular uh he talks about how he's like the king of pushing everything good away but then he's screaming won't you hold me now which is this conflict (laughs) um that he's like trying to show that you know he doesn't need anybody but also he really does need somebody that's so that's so that's so dude (laughs) well um i don't know because i fall into that all the time yeah i know i don't think i don't (laughs) you know Um, no, like I, I, so like the love language test, like I, physical touch is my last thing. Like Same. (laughs) It's the last thing. Like if I hug you, like it's a big deal. I have been told that I seem like I don't need anybody or I push people away, but really it's just because I'm not a touchy feely Physically, I'm not a touchy-feely person. Emotionally, totally. Oh, my gosh. It's bad. I am so emotional. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so those, those conflicts um, kind of resonate with me. And then the part where um, he says, um, I can bend and not break, or I can break and take it with a smile, and I am so resilient, I recover mm-hmm. quickly. Um, so that just message of resilience, I really enjoy as well. I always think, um, uh, those videos of the, you know, the emo kid who is now an adult and (laughs) that's me, he's he's in a relationship and, uh, you know, she's, you know, she's like just, maybe at the grocery store and then all of a sudden she'll hear like a dashboard confessional song and she'll be like, Oh no, Oh no. And he'll just like show up like, <laughs> like, <laughs> listening to like a, a blink 182 song or something like that. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, um, I didn't mean to say dude as if, as if, uh, as if to suggest anything, uh, negative about that. I was just, I was just saying that oftentimes, you know, something like the emoting of emo feels so, um, feels so. I don't know. Like there's something so, 
like death cab for cutie and these uh, or dashboard confessional or um you know like this unrequired love uh you know um tortured soul male kind of like sad and then screaming and i mean i love it for all those reasons um <laughs> yeah. and, but at the same time it, it definitely feels um i don't know it's it's it, it's uh it's complicated uh, <laughs> Like, you know, like I just picture, I definitely, you know, he's sitting there in his bedroom saying, somebody pay attention to my feelings and I will write this song and someone will hear me. Um, and maybe you will love me when I play you this song. Uh, I feel attacked. <laughs> no, no, no. I was totally- Again, I love this memo. That's funny. Yeah, so I literally wrote down, oh my gosh, I love this sound. It brings me back to high school. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, And it's funny because um, uh, Brian and I were listening to a bunch of, it was like ska and punk, and then it got into some emo stuff, and I was like, oh my God, I haven't listened to this since I was a teenager. And he goes, what? Like, he can't imagine, because, you know, like I'm a... I've, I'm like really into pop music now and, and folk music. And he just can't picture that I was going to all these shows um, and skanking, you know, uh, which is a dance thing in Scott. Um, what? you're talking about. Okay. Um, so <laughs> what, what is what? I'll have to show you one day. It's a dance. Okay. Maybe I'll show you in South Africa. <laughs> can you can you visibly or can you can you describe it? Describe um, yeah. Can you it's describe kind of it? like an out of control dance move. Um, resembles like a mosh pit, but it is in a dance form. You're just like kicking your legs. <laughs> your head's going crazy. Your arms are going crazy. Like those um like the car salesman like air <laughs> the wacky waving flammable <laughs> arm flailing too man. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I felt like yeah. I said that very fluently, yeah. and I feel like I did it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, it's yeah, very similar. Um, okay, more rigid, thank you. More rigid, but yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, I wrote that down because I uh, love Dashboard Confessional, um, and then I wrote down. So I had to sit with these lyrics for a little bit because uh, I I wasn't sure kind of where it was taking me. Um, but I wrote down, there's a lot of like self-sabotage and fear of doing the wrong thing and never really showing what's going on on the inside. Cause it's easier to smile than it is to like show, um, or talk about it. Um, so yeah, hmm. I, I wrote one, it would be a good analysis song. We could, we could it can be felt and understood in, in a bunch of different ways. I mean, I do think that like a critical, like critically looking at how a lot of times male and it shines in emo in some way, but it all all rock centric, white male driven music has a sense of utilizing the music and the lyrics. There's like a manipulative quality to mm-hmm. it that feels like you know like um I don't know like. 
the lyrics in this song just hold me close to you hold me close to you hold me close to you try to understand that I'm, you know like I'm, I'm i'm a fool i'm an idiot and just do you see me now and here i am and here's all my emotion but then but I, but it comes out through song and the song becomes this manipulative emotional piece to, to to try to woo the female back instead of just being able to be able to say what you mean without having to use that tool as a manipulative process in some way. You know, like, uh, you know, again, coming from someone who loves all of it and, and relates to the kind of isolated um you know, singer songwriter. You know, it, it reminds me of like in the in the seventies when Neil Young wrote the song "A Man Needs a Maid." My mom, but, but I would hear listen to that song. My mom be like, "I hate this song," and you know, it's like the, here's this guy, here's this Neil Young singing. You know, um, I'm I feel so disconnected and so isolated as as a male. And I was thinking that maybe I would get a maid, find a place nearby for her to stay, just someone who can keep my house clean, fix my meals and go away. A man needs a maid. Like there's there's something about that male isolated feeling of self-sabotage. And, you know, I actually think that song's a really great song about exploring that kind of toxicity of maleness um, and how we objectify things because of this inherent weird isolated disconnection that we have um but anyway i just i i i well, i was just getting to think about that in terms of a lot of these songs because i've been listening to songs and and try, uh, especially songs like this from um you know from the early 2000s and mm. And earlier of, of rethinking about them, what kind of messages were those, and, <laughs> and how and how did I write songs when I was a teenager? I kind of did the same thing, like no, someone pay attention to me, you know, like love me, you know. Right. Well, and even the like the lines, um, I'm so resilient, I recover quickly. I'll convince uh, you soon that I am fine. Right, 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 right. Buddy. But I mean, I totally related to these songs as a teenager, and I think it's um, you know just that. Um, you're kind of like isolating yourself, even though you're around peers all the time. And it's just a, I mean, it's just an awkward stage of life, but it's nice, I think, or at least in my experience, it was nice to hear somebody else singing about their angst and their misery and all that. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay, me too. Yeah, mm. it's comforting. <laughs> but I mean, I, I still listen to this. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Because life's hard, guys. <laughs> like it, I'm like take it with a smile, um, and then just being able to—I don't know. I feel like when you're an adult, you have to at least appear like you have it all together. But I mean, like. I'll do that for most of the day and I'll get into the car and then blast some dashboard confessional <laughs> and like while I'm driving, like scream out these songs. Um, I don't know. I think it's a, because I mean, Chris Robert wrote this when he was an adult as well. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't a teenager when he wrote this. So um, I just like the realness of it. I feel you. I did that. Uh, the other day with uh, an old Fall Out Boy album. Yes. Like, oh man, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? <laughs> the first album, which is so 
angsty. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out why I'm so um, amped up today. <laughs> why do I want to scream these songs? <laughs> right. You know, it's like really interesting kind of when you think about the fact that a lot of like the really popular like emo scene bands did have like a lot of male frontmen, especially when you think about how mm-hmm. patriarchal systems that we have like really kind of are very against like men being emotive. And yet there's this whole market of like financially (laughs) marketable and like (laughs) music about men emoting in a very specific marketable way. Just like, what do you think about it? Which could also be another great, beautiful (laughs) conversation. Um, Yeah. Something to sit with. And I put so much money into that. (laughs) (laughs) Like every CD I bought in high school that I could think of, like, it raged, but I feel like a big portion of them was like, oh, I like this one song by this one band that was playing at Warp Tour, so I'm going to buy their whole <laughs> album so I can get it. I was like, like, a high schooler, how did I, like, I spent so much money on CDs, and, like, I bought all these people's albums for, like, maybe one or two songs, and, like, did grow to love some bands, but, yeah, no, it's like, huh. Interesting. You should see my. But it 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 is. I mean, it, it's a really ridiculous name for a genre because what what music isn't emotional yeah. exactly and, and emo. But it, but there is a definite like sense that it's catered around um, a certain lovelorn, angsty, not quite metal, not quite punk rock, not quite acoustic. Um, but but somewhere in between all that, and and that it, there is like, yeah, like a an existential dread of 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 loss of love, you know, and and light and everything moody, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's it's just an interesting. Uh, it says the way we what we call genres in music, what we end up calling them, like punk or emo. I think says a lot about. <laughs> It's more about society yeah. hmm. than the actual artists who probably say well, that means nothing to me emo yeah and even a lot of them are like sorry to like keep this going but a lot of them are even uh, even say emo why are you calling me emo <laughs> they don't even consider yeah. themselves emo so it's pretty right. weird that we have to label everything and put it into a category I guess yeah I feel like anarchy was like the a big part of it and so like we were talking about the you know the kind of irony of male-led bands um you know that's not what you expect but i feel like it's you know right in line with with um the genre of um and kind of the the feel um of that that emo scene I mean, well, maybe you could think about this in more of like a community standpoint in terms of not necessarily the song specifically, but the ideas and the concepts in which you like discuss in the song about how, you know, this might be a really great opportunity to possibly host like a group or men in the community where they can engage with like promotive musicking that allows and like analyzes um, emotional expression in a way that's not only anger um in the way that yeah. <laughs> you know like, the way that, like, <laughs> kind of marketed and just expected to be so like it may not necessarily be 
See, that, and that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, that's the thing about emo is that the anger is still there. It's just like now masked in like self hate yeah. or like, you know, <laughs> like or, or like like kind of uh, yeah, it moves in in different ways or is expressed in different ways, and in its best moments, it 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 is like. Uh, you know, uh, modeling a different way for men to, I guess, emote and, and be expressive, um, while at the same time, you know, can re-promote kind of a passive aggressiveness of or or a manipulation of feelings and, um, yeah. So it is an interesting kind of study of of masculinity. Um, not to mention also. Um, you know, where there's also um, kind of, I would imagine, from a David Bowie influence of androgynous um, androgyny within there as well. So that there uh, is, is um, a, probably a conversation in there uh, as, as well in terms of uh, gender expression um, uh, and, and what that looks like in in and in some instances, especially in, in emo, yeah. Hmm. yeah. And for our final song, we have Arms Unfolding by Dodie. I guess it isn't quite the end, old partner in crime. I'm going to try to fall in love with you again. Yeah, so this song... Um, is pretty interesting, at least in my opinion. Um, when I was first introduced to this song, it was a very... How do I explain this? It was a surprise, I should say. So I used to not be into YouTube culture at all until I started working in a more community-based standpoint and I had to start engaging more with uh, online platforms. So I started looking into different... Um, social media musicians and artists uh, or those who like, get more popular based off of like social media platforms. And Dodie Clark has been pretty prominent through like YouTube um, for most of her music. And she posted a video about hiding a secret song in all of her videos, which to me was one of the most creative things I could have ever imagined. Um, and that was the first time I've ever been introduced to this specific song. Um, and as she explains kind of the origin of how it came to be, um, it was written for two friends as they were learning to fall back in love with each other. But her metaphor for how she related to it was the feeling of burnout with being in the creative field and having to navigate being in a space that she just really didn't feel like um, just wasn't what it used to be. So like navigating that experience of like, wanting to fall back in love with what you were doing and how you were doing it and where you were engaging in that um, passion. And <laughs> this song resonated with me. I know, right? We're talking about a lot of things. Here comes the conversation about burnout. Um, <laughs> just with the fact that I think, especially as we are younger and new professionals, there's a lot of things that you're not really prepared for in terms of what work looks like. And like, the way that <laughs> not necessarily the clinical aspect of it because the more I sit and like think and reflect and um, 
the more clinical work I do, like I definitely love being a music therapist. I love doing the clinical aspect of the work, but there's other aspects of it too, mm-hmm. in terms of just like systems and administration that really can yeah. make it not as exciting. Like where yeah. you go to work, <laughs> how you get funding for work, what that space looks like um, to a point of where like mm-hmm. I thought about this and like in the first time I heard the song, I was like, I don't know why I like the song so much. And I like sat with it for a little bit. It's like, yeah, it's only a minute and like, you know, a minute, under two minutes or so. And it's like, why does this all seem really, I don't know why I feel like I feel this feeling before. And like coming to terms with the fact <laughs> that like there are aspects in terms of just like acknowledging like what burnout and like that can look like in a sense to where um, I think that we don't really acknowledge or normalize that experience of burnout to a certain degree. And the fact that like there was a musical representation of what that looked like to me, which is like eye opening. So um, this song was used like within a like more reflective, like self reflection part of my practice. Um, and it's just kind of sat with me for like the past almost year or so. Um, mm. And I really do love the song because it really does talk about, the fact that there are struggles with it. Like one of the lines in there is um, more so, let's say this right. Um, I know these noirs are pretty hard to crack and it may take a while until I trust you. Um, and then falling back in love with that whole process. And then I apologize. It was only self-defense running away just made sense. So just those aspects of being able to, trying to like run away from aspects of what you're doing or trying to embark onto new journeys and how that looks as just a defense mechanism and like a coping way to like navigate those things. And it's really just very unique to me to see like in this song, um, there's a very short, simple song that that whole process can parallel with like so many different things. Yeah. And I love, I love how you describe it as that because I, I would imagine just, on its surface level, it's about, you know, two people learning how to fall in love with each other again. And yet, you know, again, owning, owning this as a piece of yourself, seeing it as, you know, learning how to fall back in love with what you do as a music therapist, learning how to fall back in love with the music again, learning how to fall back in love with being creative again, which is all pieces of ourselves. Um, you know, it's a really beautiful way of, of, of seeing that. No, no, it just makes that last part of, but here I am with arms unfolding. I guess it isn't quite the end old partner in crime. I'm going to try to fall in love with you again. It's like all the times I've looked at my guitar and been like, uh, you know, um, or, or, you know, and, and said the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get burnt out out of it uh, when I was listening to it, but that is um, very profound. Now, I like that. Mm. And now I understand why it's the beginning. I was like actually wondering, uh, I w- when I first heard the song, I wondered if this was the last song on the album. Um, but then I went back and uh, to her EP and saw that was the first song. I can't wait to dig into this album. Mm-hmm. And now I see why it's the first song on the album. That's just like setting up of, you know, yeah, really beautiful. Um, bouncing off of the setting off comments, um, like the starting point. So musically, there's a drone. Uh-huh. Oh, it's the vocal drone. Okay, so drone is supposed to be grounding most of the yeah. time, right? 
but the chord there's just like one note (laughs) that causes tension and so it's both grounding but unsettling yeah and you can't not hear it like you have to listen to it and have that there the whole time which makes sense in the context of a trying to get back in or fall back in love with a relationship because it's something that's familiar but there's also a tension there um and then same with burnout um because it's something you've been doing for a long time but then there's tension as well Mm, i think that So I was, when I was listening to it, um, definitely the vocal drone stood out and the simple harmonies, but it was the, like the aesthetic of it reminded me of, um, a very traditional folk song structure, almost like an Irish Mm. uh, folk song where, you know, something that you would sing at a funeral, which now hearing that it's about burnout and trying to, you know, fall in love with that part of yourself. Um, it gives it kind of a new meaning to me. And the words that I wrote down for it are definitely, I'm seeing them differently. I wrote down rekindling and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so um, I definitely see those in a, in a different light because yeah. I, I was picturing it within a relationship, like a friendship kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that, that gives it an entirely different feel. <laughs> and I think too, one of the things that, I mean, I just love about songs in general is that there are these very basic, just <laughs> simple images and like messages that people just see at a surface level component of it. And I mean, this is, she talks about this too. in um, one of the videos, maybe we can share that video in like the show notes um, about how it came to be um, just yeah. like, this is what I originally wrote it for. And then kind of explaining how it had this parallel aspect of it. And I think, the beauty of this song, especially with it being something that's so short and so simple, um, you see how a lot of these different things that we like listen to, like songs that could be about relationships, you usually think that's like two people, but like the relationship with yourself and another aspect of like your life, um, and really navigating and honoring that and like addressing that in a way has been for me, like a really like powerful experience, um, just through even other people's songs that like I listen to. Um, but having that be an opportunity to, I guess, to guess if you want to use this clinically or like the concept of this idea clinically, like being able to externalize it and be like, how, how would like this experience be between two people or like you could make characters about this as a way to like better process. It's an important awareness to like understand that, you know, the narrative that you think or that the songwriter wrote the song about, like if she wrote, if they, the person, the songwriter here, if um, they wrote the song about um, two friends who are trying to fall back in love with each other, that another person's experience of it is going to be very, very different and create a new kind of important narrative um, that's just as meaningful and that in moments of transition and real struggle for us, meanings of songs get so heightened and um, mm. and that um, 
and they can take on really fantastic new meaning that was never really there until you engaged with it in that certain way. And, you know, now that Grant has shared how his experience both within his own personal life transition and challenges and then hearing this song again, it completely deepens it and says, this is a brilliant piece of music. And that, um, and that context becomes really important for my own exploration. So the explorations of songs can be so, so complex, you know? Um, and I guess that's one reason why we do this. (laughs) Yes. How do I round this out? Allison, can you round this out? Because my brain can't work right now. Hope y'all had a good time. Oh my time. god, I'm cool. <laughs> 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 there you go. Did that just happen? <laughs> I have so many feelings about what just happened. I was like, why? <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Hey, no, but for real, add on, no, do it again. Add on Patreon. (laughs) We hope you had a real good time on clinical populations. Don't forget our Patreon to send folks to the World Conference.